When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance, and I should have seen it. I should have known it. I should have known the Celtics were going to beat the Nets last night, and they were going to cover the three and a half. And I will tell you how I should have known it. Because at the end of yesterday's program, we were planning on making a pick on each of last night's games. And we didn't wind up doing it because we got busy with something else. I don't remember what. doesn't matter. But because I was planning on doing it, Hembo typed the following information into the Google Doc. Celtics minus three and a half at Caesars. 89% of the public money on Brooklyn. I should have known right then. Whenever 89% of the public money is on anything, it never happens. 100% of the time, that 11% winds up being the right bet. Never bet on anything that 89% of the people think is going to happen. That's why they have all those big buildings in Vegas. I'm flying to Vegas next Tuesday, and I'm staying, I think I'm actually staying in Caesars Palace for the draft, and, and, and we got all, all these big buildings out there. And it is not because 89% of the people usually win their bets. It's usually much more like 11%. I should have seen it coming, and I didn't. I thought the Nets would win last night, and at the half, I thought they were going to. Let's quickly go through all the NBA action from last night. It starts with Kevin Durant. And Hembo, I'm going to give you credit. You said something exactly right. If LeBron James had the back-to-back games that Kevin Durant has just had, we'd be talking about it 10 years from now. LeBron had a bad finals in 2011. We still talk about it 11 years later. And here we are, Nuno, in the first round. And Kevin Durant has been a net hindrance to his team. There's no other way to say it. He's been awful. The Celtics have been spectacular. Their defense is incredible. They have excellent defensive players. They're extremely well coached defensively. Their scheme is really good. Um, there's every All these things are going on, and yet the great ones find a way not to be 0 for 10 from the floor in the second half. They don't have to win, but they don't go down like this. Now, I don't believe he's going to. I believe Durant is going to come home, and I believe he will be great Saturday night. But he better be, because if he's not, then... Is it reasonable to say this one goes on the permanent record? I thought Hembo made a really good point. Nuno, what do you think? Definitely. I think we're, he's done. Um, we can't. The Kevin Durant, we will destroy him for deciding to leave uh, Golden State um, and trying to be the man and allowing himself to, you know, attach himself to Kyrie and being the reason they don't win, right? Like, we all expected Kevin Durant to show up and play well and you know, and lead this team, even if they lost, he's the reason they're losing these close games and people will turn on him. And I know he'll go after people and tell them, I don't care about my legacy and things of that nature, but no, this is all on him. This is a legacy. And if, if he crashes and burns, there's going to be a lot of questions. No question. I would, yes, that's right. There will be a lot of questions. And look, here's the reality of it. KD and Kyrie are finishing season three as Nets. 
Now, I know in some ways it feels like it hasn't even really started yet. The first year was a wash because KD was coming back from the Achilles and didn't play, and Kyrie didn't feel like playing without him, so he didn't play either. And last year, they, they would have won the championship. Let's face it, they would have won the whole thing if it had been for the injuries that hit them. But they barely played together, the three of them. Now they trade away Harden. They bring back Simmons. He's not playing. So this is an era that hasn't even really begun, and yet it feels like it's being defined. And you're right. It's fascinating that for all the criticism that Durant got for the quote-unquote weak move of going to Golden State, it might actually wind up being the biggest mistake to leave. He decided that wasn't his team. He wanted to win with his team. And that's all well and good until all of a sudden you're losing with your team in the first round. So I agree. I think this has the potential to stick to him. Again, I preface all this by saying I don't expect it to continue. I think he will be great Saturday night. But I will confess, Hembo, I didn't expect his struggles to continue to last night either. No, I mean, we. if you didn't like the Nets in this series or for the playoffs, you were still presupposing that Kevin Durant was going to be a freak of nature, a superstar, and Nuno's right. If he had played two average games, the Nets would probably be up 2-0 in this series. This has to stick to this guy. It, it, it just has to. This is... he. If they wind up losing this series, which I think is overwhelmingly likely because the Celtics are just so unlikely to lose four out of five, we're talking about one playoff series win for him since he left the Warriors. This is a huge part of his prime, just unaccounted for when it comes to high-level winning. How are we supposed to interpret this when we're putting him in the same sort of collection as this, you know, 8, 10, 12 greatest players in NBA history? We can't give him a pass, especially because... The results of the first two games are largely on him. You bring up an interesting point. Go, go find me. When, when we did, when ESPN did the top 100 players all time, where do we put him? Stand by. Where, where did Durant go? And as you find that, I will say this as well, which is, yes, I think it sticks to him. Yes, I think he needs to play a big game. Yes, I expect him to play a big game. And if he doesn't, then I do think it becomes a conversation that continues. Celtics have been awesome. They've been brilliant. And you were right. I think they right now are in the driver's seat to win the series. Um, I, I also, going back to it, it feels like the Simmons move buys them a year. Which is to say, next year, with Ben Simmons, this is an entirely different team. I would also say one more thing. Sports are funny. But when Jason Tatum made that spinning layup to beat them in game one, I was in an airport lounge in Los Angeles getting ready to fly back without the sound. And my first thought was, is there any chance he didn't get that off in time? So they show it again, slowed down. He got rid of that ball with 0.6 seconds left. If that ball leaves his hand literally one second later, this series is 1-1 and we're having an entirely different conversation. So it goes to show you just how... Just how sports can be like that. One second stands between us having one conversation and deciding that Kevin Durant's place in NBA history is greatly overstated. That's the way this stuff works. I'm not apologizing for it because it is the way this stuff works. Because at the end of the day, we either win or you don't. But what if, what if Adam Vinatieri misses some kicks? What if Malcolm Butler doesn't intercept that pass? 
Like all of sports are distilled in that same. That's right. What if Wes Welker doesn't drop that ball from Tom Brady? Same thing. Uh, There's a lot of that stuff. And here's a question for you, though, Greeny. Even if he plays well, they still lose this this series, right? Uh, Ben Simmons looks more and more like either like that he's going to or that we assume that he's going to play at some point in time. What's going to happen? Our focus is going to be like. Uh, oh, KD came, you know, played well, uh, you know, Ben Simmons, whatever they gave him. Like, the focus is going to be taken away from KD. But the reason they probably end up losing this series is because of these first two games where he was below average. And I think that's why no matter if what happens, no matter how well he plays, but if they lose this series, it still needs to stick to him because he was the reason they lost it in the first place. Unless he is heroic and and they lose anyway the rest of the way i agree with you what what number did we have him 14 he was 14 steph was 13 hakeem olajuwon was 12 and oscar was 11 who was behind him who was 15 16 and 17 we had 15 was dr j we had 16 as jerry west carl malone was 17 moses malone was 18 dirk was 19 and kg was 20 what do you think He's not better than Bob Cousy. <laughs> <laughs> Play it. <laughs> I don't have it on the screen oh. anymore. Oh. But, 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 I mean, he's, he was being guarded by plumbers. He was being guarded and, by plumbers and firemen. He was being guarded by plumbers and firemen. <sighs> Look, Kevin Durant, at the end of the day, when we're talking about legacy, when we're talking about players of that magnitude, winning is a huge part of it. His legacy, his era in Oklahoma City is fairly defined more than anything by what he didn't do, which is not to say he wasn't brilliant. He was a league MVP. He, is, he is, was as good a scorer as we've ever seen. He got them really close. He got them to a finals. But he didn't get them over the top, and he had chances, and he was a big part of the reason they didn't. And then his departure and the circumstances of it are as big a part of the story of his time in Oklahoma City as anything. And the championships he wins with Golden State, they just don't look the same as they do other places. They just don't. It's not a question of whether that's fair or not. They just don't. Because it may not be fair, but it's reasonable. So this is what it's about. So he needs to play big. And again, I'm first guessing this. I disagree with you. I think he's going to be awesome Saturday night. Awesome. And I think they're going to win that game, and they're going to win Monday. And this thing is going to go back to Boston tied 2-2, and then we'll see where it stands. This is Greeny. We got NBA playoff action tonight. T-Wolves and Grizzlies presented by Indeed. Coverage 7 Eastern on most of these ESPN radio stations. It was an unbelievable night in the NBA last night. And there was an injury that could change literally everything in these playoffs. We'll get to that in just a moment. This is Greeny on ESPN radio. He was being guarded by plumbers and firemen. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? 
Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We, we talked about a lot about Kevin Durant and what's at stake for him. Very different situation right now, I think, for Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks, who are hosting Chicago. The Bulls made the drive up 94, a drive I know awfully well from my days um, in Chicago, driving up to Milwaukee to see games. And they took it to the Bucks last night with 41 from... DeMar DeRozan, but it's impossible to talk about this series or that game without the specter of this terrible injury to Chris Middleton. And even as one who was rooting like crazy for the Bulls, you never want to see anything like that happen. The reality of the situation, and if you didn't see it last night, he's got a sprained MCL, and Wendy said this is generally two to four weeks. The next two games of this series are being played tomorrow and Sunday. So, I mean, for the Bucs, the time is now if they're going to defend this championship. And a series that most of the world had sort of written off as maybe a gentleman's sweep, like five-game kind of situation, suddenly has an entirely different feel. But we had the numbers on Get Up this morning, Hembo. When their three best players are together, Giannis Middleton and Drew Holiday, they win 80-something percent of their games. And remind me if I'm getting the number right, when any of the three of them is missing, they're 25 and 22. They're, they're basically a 500 team. So I think this is anybody's series as it goes back to Chicago without Middleton. Do I think Giannis will be great? Of course. Do I think the Bulls going home with DeRozan and and the rest of that and Zach Levine and Caruso playing? Do I think they have a chance? I do. I think they have a real chance now to win this series, and I I, I base part of that on game one. When Middleton played the whole game, the Bulls absolutely could have and maybe should have won that game. They got a brutally bad call. They got thoroughly screwed on what should have been Giannis's sixth foul late in that game. And because of the incredible finish in Boston, we didn't spend as much time on it as we should have on Monday. But the reality is the Bulls were right there to be up 2-0 in this series and no Middleton. So, I don't know, Hembo. I think they have a real chance to win. I'll give you the numbers that you mentioned earlier. The Bucks by their big three availability. When all three play, they're 86-34. and 34. They win 72% of the time. Mm-hmm. But like you said, when only two play, that number is 25-22. and 22. And look, the, the Bucks, they're, def- they're the defending champions, and they de- deserve all the respect in the world. But let's not pretend like that's been the default for that franchise. Let's not pretend that's been the default for Budenholzer and for Giannis. I mean, they, they had catastrophic playoff performances in each of the previous two years. And that muscle memory exists still. Last year was the exception. They had to overcome all of that 
in beating the Suns and, and to win the championship and got kind of lucky along the way in the playoffs. So it's not obvious to me that the Bulls don't have a shot considering how well they've played the first two games of the series. And uh, oddly enough, how, how good a defense the Bulls have played. The Bulls were the w- worst defensive team that made the playoffs, but they have played defense as well as anybody in the postseason this year. And I think that, coupled with DeRozan, gives them a real shot. A big part of that has been injury. People have not paid a lot of attention to the Bulls this year because they don't have Giannis and they don't have Durant and they don't have... The, the next level superstar that gets all the attention. But the reality is they have been brutally injured. They've had one terrible injury after another. And the only one that got any attention was when Grayson Allen had the cheap shot on, um, on, on uh, Caruso. Caruso yeah. But they're, they're, they've had a ton of injuries. And Levine has been hurt and playing hurt and all the rest of that. So they're, they're a much better team than they generally have gotten credit for being and I think they're right there in the series. The other one last night, obviously, is Philly. Yeah. Real quick, because I, I checked this morning, and these odds changed overnight. After the Celtics won yesterday, the Celtics and the Bucks, both at 2.5 to 1, are the co-favorites to win the East. The Nets are now all the way down at 10 to 1. So we saw a huge shift in the odds yesterday. Again, the Celtics at plus 250 and the Bucks at plus 250. Mm, yeah. All right, we'll see. And the Bucks look, with this injury, that changes things. Because let's even say they get through the Chicago series. Um, you know, they would then get Boston mm-hmm. in the next round. If Middleton doesn't come back, I don't see them winning that. Mm. We'll see. Let's not put the cart in front of the horse. We'll see how it goes. And we, we talked a lot about Joel Embiid earlier today as being an, another huge part um, of, of, these post, of this postseason. He's been the best player in the playoffs. He hit an unbelievable shot last night, and they're up three games to none. Because I have Tannenbaum coming up, let me run through a few other things that we did not get in today. I'm ready to go right now. Uh, Green light with Greeny. I'm going to very quickly give myself a green light here, Hembo. And that is to say that something is going to happen in baseball as soon as today that throughout my entire lifetime would have gotten enormous amounts of attention. And I would bet that 75% of this audience, which by definition we're talking about passionate sports fans, if you're listening to a show like this one, you are a hardcore sports fan. You're not a casual sports fan. Do not know what Miguel Cabrera is one hit away from doing. His 3,000th hit. As we stand today, and he's going to hit cleanup today for the Tigers against the Yankees, Miguel Cabrera, one of the best players of the last 20 years, has 2,999 career hits. No one cares, and that bothers me to no end. When, When did we reach a point where we collectively don't care that much about a player achieving that? There are 32 players in the history of baseball to collect 3,000 hits, and for the longest time was an automatic admittance into the Hall of Fame and was like as exclusive a club as you could possibly be in. And when you couple the fact that he also has 500 home runs with those 3,000 hits that are impending, he is on a short list of the greatest hitters of all time, and you have to scroll really far down to see, it, to see the coverage of it anywhere, and I don't for the life of me understand why. So I'm trying to think. Don't tell me. How many players in history have 500 home runs and 3,000 hits? I'm going to guess it's a very small list. I'm going to uh, tell me how many there are. He will be the seventh. Seventh. All right. Willie Mays. Willie Mays is correct. Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron is correct. 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. Uh, and by the way, those are the only two with a 300 batting average on that list, and Miguel Cabrera would be the third such player. That's the kind of company that he is in. I can't decide if Stan Musial would have the home runs. 430. Okay. Short Um, there. 
Oh, wait a minute. Rafael Palmero. Palmero is correct. Yeah. He is always a forgettable name on this list. Well, for a lot of obvious reasons. <laughs> there are a couple more recent guys and then another sort of anonymous player. How, how long ago is the anonymous player? Uh, he retired in 97. Oh, so that's not so. I mean, well, at least it's recent enough that I've, I saw his career. A guy who retired in 97 who had 3,000 hits and 500 home runs. Mm-hmm. There's, one, there's one more that's active, and there's another that retired in 2016. Oh, Pujols? Pujols is correct. Okay. we got four of the six. Uh, one more who's, who's retired in, say it again? One who retired in 2016. We talk to him all the time. Oh, Cal? No, no. No, who, who we t- Oh, Alex. Alex. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, because Cal had 400 Four, yeah, home runs, but he didn't have 500 home runs. Right, Alex, forget Alex. And then one more who you said is kind of anonymous yes. or uh, retired. He's the, he's the person that almost everyone gets last when they run through this list, so I'm not surprised. Retired in what year? He retired in 1997. 1997? He played the majority of his career with, with Baltimore. He's best remembered as an Oriole. That's much too late for it to have been Eddie Murray, right? It, no, it is Eddie Murray. Eddie Murray played until 1997? <laughs> Eddie Murray played forever. <laughs> oh, my God. How many years did he play? He, he debuted in 77, so he played for 21 seasons. Oh, my. I would have. <laughs> if you had said to me, absent this conversation, in what year did Eddie Murray retire, I would have said, eh, 1988. Anyway, what I'm saying is, when all of those guys got to 3,000 hits, it was a huge deal. It was. Why isn't this a big deal? That's terrible. I agree. It's terrible. Um, so we'll see. The Tigers... We'll see if he gets it, but that's just sort of where these things are. We, we, the, the, the steroid thing made the baseball home run numbers feel cheap, and, and I think as a consequence, we've kind of, we're also just not a society that's driven by that hmm. kind of stuff anymore. That, that could also <laughs> be it. Like, I understand the idea of 500 home runs not being as meaningful, but to me, 3,000 hits should remain sort of, sort of exclusive. I agree. All right, uh, coming up, we will get Tannenbaum into the conversation. Is this Debo thing going to happen? And if so, where and when? Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Before I get Tannenbaum into the conversation, Kerry Kittles this morning, Villanova legend on KJM talking about Jay Wright and what might be next. He's worn out right now, and I, and I think he will take some time out. Although I do hear the Lakers are backing up the Brinks truck. They are, they are trying to get him there. Was, uh, who knows what will happen with that. 
And LeBron is... There you go. That's the really important... That's just the... In the interest of time, let's just cut it off there. That's a Villanova great uh, saying, Jay Wright, that the Lakers might back up a Brinks truck. I'll say this. I'll be shocked. I don't know Jay well. I know him a little. I'll be shocked if he took that job. I wouldn't be shocked, totally shocked, if he came back and coached in the NBA at some point. But I would be shocked if he took that job. That's an awful job, and he's a person who the entire world is his oyster, and you, a Philly guy, love him. I, look, I think Villanova is obviously not the most beloved team in the city. But Jay Wright is, at least in my lifetime, Philadelphia's best coach, and I think he might be the best coach in the history of Philadelphia. We've not had many legends. He's a freaking legend, and he built a program there that competes with all the big boys in the sport. He's never even landed a top 10 recruit and has done more winning than any of them by building a culture. I love that guy. And for the longest time, I was actually hoping that he would become the head coach of the 76ers. Now, I'm obviously hopeful that they'll wind up winning the championship this year. We get to keep Doc for years to come. But I'm with you. If he wants to coach in the league, he'll get whatever job he wants, but it won't be the Lakers' job. I, I'm, I'm just thinking through then the coaches in Philly. Like, who are the legendary Philly coaches? You got, I'm just doing it in my head. The Eagles, you had Vermeil. You got Buddy Ryan, mm-hmm. you got Andy Reid. And Buddy Ryan is among those the most beloved, even though he did the least. Even though he never won a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sixers, you got Larry Brown, you got Billy Cunningham. Cunningham is probably the greatest coach in, in franchise history. At Villanova, he obviously he succeeds. Raleigh Massimino. Did he or was there someone in between Massimino and Jay? There was someone between. There was Steve, uh, Steve Lapis. Steve Lapis, okay. Uh, and what about John Chaney? John Cheney Temple, Phil Martelli, St. Joe's. I mean, there's all these college He did guys. more winning than any of them. And his, he his won two Q, championships. His Q score is as high as anyone we've ever had. Like, that's, yeah, that's right. Jay Wright is an, like an, an all-time Philly icon. Like, it's pro- it prob- you probably have to go back, honestly, to Connie Mack, <laughs> who, who stopped he's managing the He's a local guy, 1950. right? I mean, yeah. there's a, there's a local, mm-hmm. the local element of him has to also make him more endearing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Buddy For Ryan sure. is, was adopted as a Philadelphian, but the second you heard him <laughs> talk, you know he's not from Philly. Right, and, and Buddy, Buddy Ryan... The city could identify with him. Right. But, but, but I don't know that there's been a more likable, a more beloved coach or figure in the city than that guy. I was surprised that he walked away so young. I really was. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the sport has changed in ways he just doesn't mm. like. Either way, we continue in 15 seconds. All right. Let me bring Mike Tannenbaum into the conversation. He's the general manager of my team. And again, uh, running through what happened here, Debo Samuel, according to our Jeff Darlington, Debo Samuel told our Jeff Darlington that he has informed the 49ers he wants to be traded. This becomes fascinating. So as I bring Mike T into the conversation, Mike on Get Up this morning, we identified several teams that have both the cap space and the draft capital to make this interesting for San Francisco. Let's start with the 49er side of this. If you're John Lynch and Debo Samuel tells you he wants to be traded, what do you do? I beg to Joel plead uh, to do anything I can to keep him. He, he's too good of a player, Greeny. You know, he's so dynamic with the ball in his hands. He led the league in yards per catch. He also had eight rushing touchdowns. So I'm trying to figure out why he doesn't want to be there and try to solve that problem. So he won't say why, but my understanding is – He knows, of course, his agent knows, and the team knows. There are a couple of different possibilities there, it seems to me. One of them is he does not like the way they use him in the offense, which, as you just pointed out, they use him as a running back a lot of the time, which means he gets hit a lot, which receivers tend not to like. Two, maybe he does not like the idea of them transitioning from Jimmy Garoppolo to Trey Lance. Maybe whatever it is he has seen from Lance suggests to him that that's not going to work. And then I guess there are other reasons. 
Like, what is your sense of that? Why would a guy like Debo Samuel, he seems like such a good fit, they use him so creatively and interestingly, and they do a lot of winning. Why do we think he wants out? Yeah, I've had receivers say this to me over the years, which is this. This is a consequential year for me economically, and while you put your eggs, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan and Trey Lance's basket, I'm not. And if I have a chance to get to a proven quarterback, like you know, there's something out there apparently about him going to Dallas with Dak Prescott, I'm not risking my earnings based on a guy basically being a rookie. And if Jimmy Garoppolo is not here, Greeny, that could be a real reason for him saying, like, either pay me now or you take the risk on Trey Lance, but send me someplace else because I have too much at stake. Okay, so you mentioned Dallas. The teams that we identified, Greeny and Mike Tannenbaum with you, as having both the draft capital and the salary cap space to make a deal for Debo Samuel include the Jets, the Packers, the Saints, the Cowboys, and the Chiefs. Those are teams that could all do this. Obviously, I have a vested interest in this one, Mike T. If you're Joe Douglas, <laughs> the general manager of the Jets, and you want you decide you want Debo Samuel, how do you do it? I say, look, we'll give you the 10th pick in the draft. This is, to me, like really clean and simple. If I'm San Francisco and I can't keep Samuel, I want the 10th pick. I want to get a great receiver. And there'll be a couple there, Green, as you know, because I know how hard you're working on getting ready here for next Thursday. But, you know, Chris Olave could be there. Certain Garrett Wilson possibly could be there. You would even consider Jamison Williams at some point. So if I'm San Francisco, I'm retooling on the fly. I'm not rebuilding. So that could really be a win-win. And presumably, as people have reported, with the Jets looking in at Tyreek Hill, he's not Tyreek Hill. But what he does do is he gives Zach Wilson a meaningful weapon to help his development. Well, that that really then becomes the question to me. I was not in favor of the Jets going out and getting Tyreek Hill. I said that here because I said they're not Tyreek Hill away from winning anything, and I, I, I did not see his skill set as being one that – I guess I didn't look closely enough at that. I'm now totally in favor of Debo Samuel, in large part because I just love him, and I think the entire football world fell in love with him last year. But talk me through that. You're going to have to trade a, a, a first-round pick for him – you're going to have to give him $28 million a year or something like that. Huge chunks of money guaranteed. Tell me why it's worth it for a team that is not contending for anything this year to give up that much to get a receiver. Because he's a meaningful piece of the puzzle, and you got to spend your money somewhere and, and get it on a blue difference maker. The Jets had some good pieces this year, and Lawson should come back. You know, the pass rusher that got hurt last year. But they haven't really added a frontline offensive difference maker and he's a guy that can make Elijah Moore better, Corey Davis better. He is somebody that, and I've worked with a lot of defensive coaches in my career, Belichick, Parcells, Rex, Mangini, and they always talk about like what keeps them up at night. And a guy like Debo Samuel, while he's not Tyreek Hill, they go into every game saying, like, we need a player, player and a half on him every single snap. You're going to shade the safety maybe to his side. He will create production for others. And – while the Jets aren't there yet, they need to add blue-chip players, and that's what Debo is. All right, Greeny and Mike Tannenbaum. I'm, I'm with it. I like it. And the Jets more than have the draft capital. They have four picks in the first 38 in this year's draft. That's, that's six picks into the second round. The Jets will have four selections, um, depending on what they wind up doing with them. So we'll see what they how that goes. The, the other, the next most intriguing one to me is Green Bay, because... 
you are you have to go all in when you have Aaron Rodgers and he's as year to year as he is. I don't think they've screwed that thing up eight million different ways, to be honest with you. But they are where they are today. And they are, in my view, an obvious step down from the Rams and Buccaneers in the NFC. If they got Debo Samuel, I think particularly factoring in the division they play in, Mike, I think I might say Green Bay is my favorite to win the NFC. What do you think? I don't disagree with that. And again, I think, you know, we talk about this all the time on get up green, which is like timelines and roster construction. And if you're all in on Aaron Rodgers, let's face it, they were floored that Devontae Adams wanted out. So this is a way, again, it's apples to oranges, but every day they should wake up and say, how are we being the Rams? How are we being the Bucks? Debo Samuel helps in that regard, Greeny, because again, if they draft a receiver, which is likely without a trade, it's going to take that receiver a while. Again, 38 catches is the most a rookie receiver has ever caught from Aaron Rodgers. So from a timeline standpoint, Debo Samuel makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Do um, do you even consider trading him, if you're San Francisco, to the Packers? I know they're not in the same division. They're obviously in the same conference, and they do. It feels like they play each other in the playoffs every single year. Obviously, that's not mandated. But do you even consider trading him to Green Bay if you're San Francisco? Well, I, I, I candidly, I think if you're San Francisco, if you move on from your starting quarterback and your best offensive player, like if that's not the definition of a rebuild, I'm not sure what is. Mm. I mean, Trey Lance has great upside, but he hasn't played a lot of football. Remember, he played one game two years ago. He sat last year. So if I'm San Francisco, I'm much more worried about getting the most draft capital I can for Debo Samuel. I'm moving on from the quarterback, presumably, and I'm rebuilding with Trey Lance. So I don't think that would bother me as much given their situation. All right, and then a final question for you, Mike T, with us here on ESPN Radio. Do you think it happens? Do you think Debo Samuel gets traded? I do because, again, when we look at the new rules about how these players are holding in, most notably the Jalen Ramsey situation, Greeny, where, again, he didn't want to be in Jacksonville. He, quote-unquote, had a bad back, wouldn't play, and then he gets traded and all of a sudden he's fine. I think that's what you're going to see in this situation where, hey, if you don't train me, I'm going to show up, but I'm not playing. And if you're the 49ers, why wouldn't you try to meaningfully improve you know, your draft position with one or two premium picks, as you mentioned with the Jets. So if he's really serious about not being there, I think he has the type of leverage to pull this off. We'll see if they can do it. Mike T, outstanding work today, as always. Thank you, my friend. I will see you next week. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Thanks, Greeny. Right, it's Mike Tannenbaum, the general manager of my team here with great insight. My oh, boy, that one just fascinates me. I mean, I, look, I confess, maybe I was wrong on Tyreek Hill. I actually like Debo Samuel better just because of his age and because of his style of play. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Tyreek. He's obviously an unbelievable player. and But I, I, I don't know. There's something about the image of Debo Samuel crying at the end of that game against the Rams last year in the NFC Championship that has just stayed with me. Like, he just wants it so badly. And the way Mike T just explained it, it makes sense to me, too. If you're the 49ers and you're turning the page to Trey Lance and this is his contract year, the receiver's contract year, and you're telling me, okay, this organization's ready to hand him the ball, but I'm not ready for it to determine how much money I get paid, I can see him that being the reason that he wants out. That makes sense to me. It makes sense to me, too. It also makes sense for the 49ers to trade him because we think that's going to be some sort of disastrous outcome for them. Then we're just selling short Kyle Shanahan, who is smart enough to make Debo Samuel Debo Samuel. That's not to say that Debo is not talented or will be great elsewhere. 
But Kyle Shanahan is a unique mind who's had a top 10 offense with Matt Schaub and Matt Ryan and Jimmy Garoppolo and Robert Griffin III. They'll figure it out there. And because they traded all of those picks for Trey Lance, getting as many as two picks in the first round this year would go a long way in in, um, sort of allowing them to rebuild their program on the fly. And I think if there's anyone who could do it, it's him. So that's an interesting thing. We'll see how that goes. Um, I I believe it, it certainly feels like there's at least a chance that that is going to happen. So between that and Baker Mayfield, we have a lot of interesting intrigue in the NFL leading up to the draft. A few more things I have time to get in before we are finished for the day. We told you about Miguel Cabrera. He could get to 3,000 hits as soon as today. They play the Yankees again, right? There's one more game in that mm-hmm. series? One o'clock today. So, so they play the Yankees today, and we'll see if he gets it in that. If not, uh, I had it up here someplace. They play Oakland the rest of the, the – the, where do they go? No, they go to the Rockies. Whatever. He's going to get to 3,000 hits. That, that, that's the thing in baseball. But you were telling me about the attendance in Oakland. <laughs> Bubba, have you heard this? Are you aware? I saw, uh, I saw a video. I, I couldn't believe it was real. The game between the Orioles and the A's yesterday, what was the announced paid attendance for that game yesterday, Hembo? The announced paid attendance was 2,703 <laughs> <What>? fans. <laughs> no way. Are you serious? I'm serious, and if you watch the video that Bubba is describing that went viral on Twitter yesterday, that is a gross exaggeration. I'm confident. Yeah, there were way less there. Bubba, t- t- tell me if I'm over-exaggerating. I think there were more people paid to be at the game than there were people that I think there are more the people game. working on their show right now than they're at the game. <laughs> I mean, it was sparse. And then you add in the fact that the Coliseum is just massive. <laughs> That is not helping the optics because, I mean, that place is huge. Really, it's embarrassing. And there, there were like, you know, 45 rows in between people. You could spread out and get whatever you want. It was unbelievable. I don't think I've ever seen something like that. There would be – there could have been home run balls that were not tracked down by anyone because there were no people in those sections. It was a disgrace. And, and, and But look – this is what happens when you when you put a minor league game in a major league ballpark, <laughs> right? I mean, is that, that's, that's what. Right. Look, that's right. this is what something has to be done about. Like the Baltimore Orioles. I, who did I just? Who was I just talking to? Is from Baltimore. I just was. I can't remember who. Mel was it met, Mel? No, 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 no. Not not a person at ESPN. Like, I met someone who was from Baltimore. I don't know. Forget who it was. Doesn't make any difference. And we were talking about this, and and I said, you know something. Something should be done about the Orioles. I mean, it, it, they really should because they're not competing. They're, they're making ap, ob, no obvious attempt to. They're not even tanking to get better because they haven't. How long has it been since they tried to compete? They have been, go- have been like approaching good in three or four years, and they're three or four years away from theoretically being good. So, I mean, the Cubs did that, and they won the World Series like three years later. The right. Astros mm-hmm. did it. They won the World Series like three years mm-hmm. later. The, the Orioles did it, and they're still three years away <laughs> from being three years away. That's right. So, I mean, that's something should be done. So I'm not sure why 3,000 people didn't have something better to do than that yesterday. <laughs> I don't know. I can't tell. Would it be fun or awful? Nuno, would it be fun or awful to go to, to a game where there were 2,700 people? I, I think it would a professional game. That's awful. You might as well go to like a minor league. You know, go to the Hartford Yard Goats or something of that nature. I mean, the Yard Goats that, get like 6,000 every night. more enjoyable. Like, what, see, what are we doing? That's why no one cares about baseball and the fact that Cabrera is about to get his 3,000 mm. hit, right? Is locally, no one's checking in. And nationally, like... You know, if it's not for the Yankees, who are a complete disaster, the Mets, obviously, you know, the Braves won the World Series and lost their best play, one of their best players, and he's playing with the Dodgers. And, like, so 
I don't know. Baseball is screwed. Like maybe in two weeks, <laughs> you know what? In two weeks, we'll talk baseball when the Yankees half the roster can't get into Canada, right? Against the uh, against the Blue Jays. Listen to him. He has, he has taken the twenty seven hundred people who were in Oakland yesterday and decided that it, it it defines the demise of baseball as we know it. But I'm just trying to enjoy a game here. I don't totally disagree with him because I do view that as a as a mockery, Greeny. We can't have two teams that are paying their teams a combined $90 million playing in a major league stadium being seen by a theoretical 2,700 people. That's not, that's not the objective, and it's the best argument like in one image for, the sal- for, for a salary cap floor in baseball. It's not fair that the Orioles have the same payroll as Max Scherzer. It is How much of it, though, do you think is, has to do with the whole stadium deal? Because, I mean, I've been to Baltimore for a bunch of times, so the stadium is cool. And a lot of times, even though when it's terrible, there's a decent amount of fans there because mm-hmm. it's a great stadium, fun area, Inner Harbor is cool, and just a fun time, even if they're just getting, you know, smoked. That stadium, the Coliseum, which I've also been to, is just one minute, is just ridiculous. You know, <laughs> 70,000, you know, seats, whatever. So there's nothing about it that says it's a baseball stadium. They're, every other day they're moving to Las Vegas, Nashville, Montreal, whatever. I have to imagine that's a major factor as to why no one wants to go to the A's game. You know, maybe give them an actual stadium or figure that out and people would actually go. We're two weeks into the season, though. The, the A's have a winning record right yeah. now. There should be a little more optimism they than sold, that. But look, they the sold off all the best left. players. They the sold every single I mean, really good player they all had. All they do is just take every team away from Oakland, though. Oakland, <laughs> yeah. gonna, they're going to have nothing left soon. That, that's, that's the point. I mean, the, 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 they didn't build a stadium for the Raiders. They're not building a stadium for the A's. That's just not what's going to happen here. Okay, uh, enjoy the hoops tonight. we got a tons of it coming up. It's, it's just an unbelievable little moment in the sports calendar. we got the draft coming up next week. Um, which I am super excited about, and I hope that you are as well. We'll see you back in Better Than Ever. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.